Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name is Lewis Daniels and my guest today is two-time kidney transplant recipient, actor and co-host of the Professional Patients podcast, Ruben Nathan. Ruben chats to me about his lifelong experience of kidney problems, including having his first transplant at the age of 10 and his time on dialysis years later. We also talk about going through school with kidney problems and a transplant, especially when it comes to sport, how he adapted and the challenges faced. On top of all that, you'll find out more about the Professional Patients podcast, a brilliant podcast that Ruben co-hosts, so please listen all the way to the end. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. It's another Professional Patients crossover. Ruben <laughs> Nathan, welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. Hello. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, it's a wonderful day. Today is actually um, World Nurses Day, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. I've seen something about that this morning. I think so, yeah. So I think I just want to start off by saying shout out to all the wonderful nurses that have looked up, have had the pain and the pleasure of taking care of me throughout this life that I've lived. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm good, mate. I'm good to answer your question. Sorry, I do do a lot of word vomit, so I will go here and there. <laughs> so all the best is all I can say. But yeah, that's fine. We could go with it. But you, you're a professional patient, as you say on your podcast. Yeah, you've been doing yeah. this for many, many years in a sporting sense. If you're a professional, I'm probably a recently got a professional contract playing in the under 23s. Well, there you go. That's wicked. In a sporting sense, I'm so far from being professional. But thank you for giving me that uh, that. Uh, yeah, parallel. Um, yeah, uh, professional patients. It's interesting because I think that the idea of it is like, um, you know, I've just been unwell basically all my life. I was born with renal failure, right? So I think for as long as I know, for well, not for as long as I know, for as long as I've been alive, I've been unwell. So I think it was a jokey term like, oh, so what do you do? Well, I'm a professional patient. So I think both Ollie and I, when, you know, my uh, 
co-host, my wonderful co-host that you've had on as well. Um, yeah, th- that's how we came to that name with the podcast and stuff. So yeah, that's how we identify ourselves. You mentioned there you were, you've had kidney problems since birth. Mm. How aware were you of that when you were really young? Oh, mate. So when I was really young, um, a lot of it, so this is what I was just saying to you, like a lot of it is a haze. I don't usually have to recall kind of my health, um, kind of uh, my medical story, so it, as it were, unless I'm on a wonderful podcast with uh, Lewis Daniels. So <laughs> I think I was born with small and soft kidneys. That was like kind of the initial diagnosis um, straight from the hospital. Uh, and yeah, I think that was a the immediate diagnosis kind of thing. Um, for a for a long part, I mean, until I was about seven or eight, I wouldn't remember. I, I don't recall anything, to be honest with you. Um, when I'm, you know, when I was about seven or eight, I remember going up to London for my hospital trips. So they would be checkups every, you know, every four months or so, or every sorry, for every four weeks or so, and it would be just the usual, you know, blood checks, uh, blood tests, um, blood pressure checks, all of that stuff. And then, you know, it was just for me, it was. A chance of taking half of the day of school and uh, having McDonald's because funnily enough they decided to have a McDonald's right next to the hospital that I was at <laughs> so we would have uh, McDonald's dad would treat me to McDonald's or mum whoever was taking me there and then yeah I'd come back to finish school so it was that's the only thing I really remember like I don't really remember kind of you know I remember nurses or you know again it's funny I remember their names those who treated me rather than their faces because it's just all a haze, right? Um, so, you know, it would be that whole process. You, you know, you get your you get your levels checked and everything, and then you wait around, and then afterwards you um, basically see a doctor, and then you out, you're out. So, you know, it would be kind of a half a day thing. That's all I would remember with regards to my actual health. I don't, as weird as it sounds, I don't remember feeling in pain. Maybe, like, I knew I wasn't, I was different to other children. I knew I wouldn't be able to run around as much, even though, my parents are constantly saying like, you know, I was always like mischievous or naughty or running around, but it was also points where I would be quite, you know, I'd sit down and I'd just take everything in. I'd watch everyone else play. Um, and in a weird way, thankfully it didn't affect my kind of, you know, not that I'm thinking about this back then, but it didn't really affect my social life. Cause I think I had really supportive people in terms of the teachers or the parents of some of the other children that would go, you know, they had a quite an understanding of my health condition. They were very, um you know like it was very inclusive so I didn't feel like there were points where I would get bullied here and there but I think by then I'd had the confidence to talk back to people anyway um maybe too much which we might go into later on (laughs) um but yeah there were obviously I think again mate sorry I'm jumping from left to right to here to there but there was obviously I had I was you know I had a feeding tube I think like with most young children who grow up with this condition and that's because I just literally wouldn't eat anything um, orally. So it would all have to be medication along with, um, yeah, food prepared through the nostril, which was uh, which is a wonderful way to start the morning. It's, n- it's not the nicest thing for someone of that age to go through at primary school. And I've talked to Ollie about the feeding tube as well. Yeah. Did your friends at school, primary school at that age as well, did, you under- did they understand what that was, why you had it, not to try and yank it out or pull on it? May I remember like people crowding around and pointing and laughing and things like that. But there's always other, there's always teachers in the playground. There's always, you know, this was in primary school. So there's two ways I can look at it. Sometimes I do get these, uh, these night terrors or whatever you would have called. You wake up like nervous shake in the middle of the night. Like, you know, um, I think it's more 
because obviously like you know I, i'd like to think i'm a confident person and all of that stuff now and it doesn't affect me and I, I kind of used humor as my barrier for all of that stuff anyway I think as you as you know um as you're aware so like I think there was bullying there was people trying to target yes but I think there was also teachers immediately stepping in saying um this is not what we do this is not you know kind of thing and thankfully in the end well I say thankfully in the end it got to a stage where it would just be taken out and then mum would put it in when I'm so I start the day with it go through the night with it and then I just don't have it during school and I think that was better because I just don't want to be that visually different, you know, like it's just in your face, right? It's, everyone can see it. And um, just as a, you know, I've kind of almost gone full circle now because, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher and an actor in terms of my career. And with the teaching stuff, when someone looks visibly different, whether it be wearing glasses or they behave in a different way, for whatever reason, children will pick up on it. And children are kind of, naive but cruel in some ways and in that they'll just say it how it is and in some ways it's not a case of they're trying to be nasty but it's more a case of they just don't understand and they just want to say it because we all want to feel accepted right I guess yeah maybe and maybe a lack of filter at that age yeah yeah that's definitely a much better more eloquent way to put it than I've just said there yeah <laughs> I think it's better but yeah like I think it's exactly that isn't it like we don't you know we hold back a lot more now um than we would have in the past and it's not that you know it's just an observation but yeah it just blurts out with the little ones so yeah I think that was the thing and I think for me because I would just run around and and, you know I don't like I've just always been into football so I would always play football I've got an older brother as well so he'd always chuck me in goal so which is interesting actually because um he'd always chuck the goal chuck me in goal and then just blast the ball at me whether we're playing inside the house or in the park or whatever so the whole kidney thing was never a thing. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, he's got, all right, get up, mate. Like, there was no, you know, there was no kind of excuse, which is something that me and Ollie speak about quite frequently in the sense that with our, you know, the way we've approached things, it's with a hop, skip and a laugh, basically. You know, you, you, you're up yourself and, you know, it may not be suited for everyone. And it's always good to have a moan, I think, definitely. It's always good to have a moan, but it's always good to kind of try and pick yourself up as well. But, yeah, I think the best thing is not being treated differently. I think for a long time, it was weird to adjust to because it's like, I know I'm different, but you're also kind of, you know, well, when we get into school and stuff, I'll tell you a little bit more about, you know, like, um, you know, playing sports and obviously even just class content, work content, you know, it was very tough. But again, I'm going swings and roundabouts. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the, how you want just to be, yes, you're different, but treated the same. Mm. kidney disease being this I was always told it's this insidious disease there's no symptoms it's hidden and there's some sort of things that manifest because of the condition but it's hidden and yes it does make you different but then afterwards you've had the transplant as long as you're fully clothed you're basically the same as everyone else from the outside this is it but this is the problem I have because I walk around naked (laughs) a lot so you know it's very easy to spot no I think no completely agree with you I think insidious again um, I feel like a teacher. I'm marking you as your, you know, first new mark for the lack of filter and now insidious. Um, yeah, no, definitely completely agree. Because like you said, if you look at someone from the outside, you don't know what they're going through. And I think it's the same case with mental health, obviously, as well. I think um, not to obviously, you know, I'm just drawing parallels, but, you know, not direct com- like comparisons. But yeah, no, it's completely true. I think um, it's so easy to just assume that someone is inverted commas normal you know, for this. Um, I think someone, it's interesting with transplants in general, because 
when I was in dialysis, like, I think you, it's made aware to you. Someone told me it's made, you know, it was made aware that were a, you know, they were a healthcare professional. And the, the, the sad fact is with kidney failure, a kidney transplant improves your quality of life. It doesn't essentially save your life if we're talking, you know, absolutely yeah. brutally, like, you know, whereas if you have a heart transplant, your life is being saved. There's no case of, you know, like there's no case of your standard of life is improving and whatever it is a case of you could stop breathing and you are going to continue breathing because of this operation. So I think that's why, yeah, there's some sort of, you know, um, again, it's that insidious nature. Like you can just kind of essentially go without it. Even when I had dialysis, which I'm obviously jumping the gun a bit now, but even when I had dialysis, if I was to go back on the train, no one would know, you know, they just see a normal person. And maybe they just look really tired. They must have had a mad night out. That's, you know, bloody hell, he looks hungover. That's probably what, you know, it would have come across like. Um, so, yeah. I feel like I need to break down a little bit more about my medical history before I go here and there. But, mate, this is your podcast. I don't want to take control. Oh, you, Sorry. You're answering all my questions. It's saving me a job. A oh, few. Thank you. Thank you. You mentioned dialysis there. And we're, spoiler alert for the listeners, you've had two kidney transplants. What? Did you have dialysis before <laughs> your first one? No, so I was lucky enough to. Um, I tell you what, let's let's go story time. So in so you know I was saying about when I was seven eight years old, that seven or eight years old. That's when I started going up to hospital. That's when it became an actual kind of blurry memory as such. Then if we fast forward to around you know when I was about nine or ten years old, um, my hospital visits would become more frequent. So it was less about the McDonald's. It was more about why am I missing so many days of school. And it's like the last year of primary school, you're year six. And it's like, oh man, I'm going to miss this big year. And we had a trip to like Sayers Croft, I think, or it was Isle of Wight, that big trip that all the, you know, year sixes like go to, and I was going to miss that out. And then they told me in 2001, well, leading up to 2001, when I had my transplant, that you were going to have a kidney transplant. And it was all kind of planned well, because my dad, thankfully, like he offered to kind of step in and give me the kidney. So in March, 2001, it was, that's when I had my first transplant. Um, my condition deteriorated, but I didn't need dialysis first time round, thankfully. Um, and I think that's kind of partly why dad stepped in because, you know, you, one of the benefits of having kind of kidney clinics, other than obviously being treated for your medical condition, is you'd have like a children's clinic, you'd have lots of children together and you'd have the parents of the children together. So my dad would have learned from like Ollie's mum because, you know, Ollie's mum would have been, you know, was the donor for Ollie and stuff. And, you know, they would learn from talking to other parents. And it was almost like a support system for parents as well, which is, I think is really important. And which I kind of, you know, like, which is, it, it's incredible. Like the support that we've had at our trust is amazing. It really is. Um, and I'm always quick to step in and say, no, like, we've had such a great experience. And, you know, my, you know, it's, it's different for different trusts. But speaking on behalf of mine, I think they've been fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think to actually go back to what you asked, I didn't have dialysis before the, uh, you know, before my first transplant. And I, I completely echo your thoughts on the trust that I was at. I've now, now been through two, well, one very briefly since I moved back mm-hmm. home again. But yeah, it's all been great, smooth going through. But as a 10-year-old, what were your thoughts going into a transplant? To be honest with you, I loved my doctor so much. She was hilarious. She was very funny, very physical with her comedy as well. Like very like, you know, um, bright eyed and just full of energy all the time. And um, 
it's, you know, are you drinking enough? But I would, I would want to impress her, which is the best way. It's like a good teacher. And I keep bringing up teacher because I think it resonates with you a little bit because it's something that you want yep. to pursue from what I gather. So I feel like we've got a common ground there. I'm not saying I'm a good teacher. I'm saying I'm an amazing teacher, <laughs> but you know, um, no, I'm lucky, mate, because I teach speech and drama. So it's the fun one. So it's the one where you can have a laugh. Um, not to belittle other courses, obviously, but you know, um, but yeah, I just wanted to impress my doctor. She was amazing. She was hilarious. I would almost, dare I say it, look forward to having to sit down with her. Oh, how are you? How is it? Da, da, da. And like, we're all talking. It was really nice. It was really lovely. And she retired recently. Like, yeah. And it was, yeah, she's just an amazing person, basically. Um, and she, she explained everything. So if I would have, you know, she explained like as awkward as it was at the time, she was kind of trying to draw because dad would step in or mum, whoever, whoever was with me, they would step in as well with these consultations. And they would see like she would draw a diagram, for instance, ha what would happen with the catheter and, you know, what kind of procedure would happen here. And it was all very clearly explained um, or at least she made an effort to. But I would the only thing once you're saying something's going up a place that you don't want it to go up, you just freeze and you're like, oh, bloody hell. So I wasn't even really dreading the transplant as much as the catheter itself, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, I'm not going to feel it. You've always got that kind of weird. Maybe it's a. You, you, no one wants to wake up if they're under general yeah. no one wants to wake up in the middle of a surgery right so it's one of those things where you think are you going to wake up and it's going to be like you're in the middle of sore but set in london bridge in a hospital like do you know what i mean it's just it's not fun so um i think yeah like i think for me it was more a case of um just love my doctor honestly i know i keep saying it but she was fantastic really good and the, i think the reason why i've got such a soft spot for her is and things since my second transplant they've been very smooth if anything they've been more smooth but because of covid and stuff we haven't had that i haven't had that constant you know i'm not checking in with the same doctor and this is no fault of the trust that i'm at it's more phone calls as opposed to sit down and chats with your doctor and stuff like that so it's completely different that's why i think i guess i'm you know feeling quite nostalgic about uh my previous um experiences there but yeah i didn't really I feel like there was the nervousness. I think my mum was very tearful, obviously, you know, in one ward, she's got dad on the other ward, she's got me. Um, it was, yeah, it was hugely, I don't know if traumatic is the right word to use, but it definitely did make me grow up older than, you know, as a 10 year old, you're seeing these things. Um, and it definitely put my, like, you know, you take stock of what's going on and you're thinking in your head, one minute I'm going swimming on Thursdays with my mates, at primary school, next minute I'm lying on a hospital table. Well, I'm I'm lying in a hospital bed, and they're telling me you're going to be fine. How are you feeling about it and stuff like that? And I think, yeah, testament to the nurses involved uh, at the time, who obviously clearly are so great at their job. I can't really remember feeling too nervous. But I think, to be honest with you, <laughs> we were showered with like gifts and like and by gifts I mean like there was like a PlayStation that would go around on wheels in the ward. Um, this is back in the old days where we had a TV to share and all of this stuff. So, you know, we had our things to look forward to on the ward, right? Um, and yeah, obviously I had Ollie to look forward to as well. So we'd chat away, even though this was, um, I didn't meet him when I had my transplant, but it was, you know, several years after. Well, I had a lot of rejection, actually, unfortunately, first time round. Um, I was, I would say I was in and out of hospital for like the best part, best part of like eight months, I would say. So it was all a little bit, yeah, it was all a little bit crazy for that first part. And thankfully, again, the trust, they have like a accommodation 
locally, even though we don't live too far. Um, they had lo- accommodation locally. So then I would, mum would kind of live close to there and I would be there. And, you know, there would be several points in the middle of the night because my function, my, you know, my levels were messing up and this, that and the other. So it kind of just adds to this whole thing of growing up early, like growing up, you know, quicker, should I say, sorry. Um, and I mean that only in age and not in height, unfortunately. <laughs> I just want to stress that I'm a five foot four assassin. <laughs> maybe five foot five, maybe five foot five. But if I'm wearing Doc Martens, mate, whew, six foot. I'm like six foot. That's it. Um, but yeah, what I make up, what I lose in height, I make up for in uh, my massive personality. <laughs> I think it definitely makes you grow up mentally. And after yeah. that rejection, has it? Did it all go smoothly? immediately after that yeah so after that kind of blip and it was several blips but i'm just going to say it as one blip and reference it as one blip um it was kind of essentially okay cool and then you kind of it's like riding a bike you're you're on the floor and then you're cycling again so then i'm going back to this first you start off with seeing the doctor every two weeks so i've gone i've you know i've come back home now and then every two weeks i go and see a doctor and then every four weeks and so on and so forth till i'm back in a stage where i'm seeing them every you know once a month or every two months and my, con- my kidney condition is lasting for a long time. I mean, um, my my other kidneys, so I've got hmm, I've got four kidneys now. Sorry, I don't know how to count because, yeah, um, they didn't remove my native kidneys. So the kidneys I was born with, which were the small and soft kidneys, they didn't actually remove them. They, you know, I had them still do. I think the the argument or the argument, but the, the, what was said is that it was more because they're causing, even though they work, at a very low percent, they still work. And it's like kind of intricate plumbing, essentially. So that if they had to take one out, they'd have to put more plastic inside my body. And it's all kind of infections and things like that. And I'm really dumbing it down because um, I don't really know the ins and outs. And I think, like I said, this this whole thing is a haze. You know, this is my first time round with the transplant. Um, and I was younger. And I think for me, I just felt better. I actually genuinely felt better. I could remember coming back to school, playing football again, scoring a goal. And like all of these feelings, I was just like, this is so alien to me because, you know, I I follow football and um, (laughs) I follow a team that are doing quite poorly at the moment. But, you know, you live and you learn. But you know what? I've caught you on a day where uh, United have got a uh, rare loss last night. So and we have a we Arsenal being an Arsenal fan, we've had a rare win. So I'm not going to gloat. There's nothing to gloat about. (laughs) But, you know. I'll just leave that there. But, you know, like, yeah, following football, watching it, playing with my older brother. And then obviously I think because he had his mates as well and kind of mum would be like, just shove me. Yeah, why don't you just go and play with your brother and play with his mates? And naturally you're kind of, you know, you you get better by playing a better opponent, they say, right? So just because I'm playing with people above my age, like I'd like to think I'm a little bit, you know, maybe not as much now because I've had the uh, stuffing kicked out of me in terms of health. But I feel like I'm at a decent level of footy. But yeah, I think it was just, you feel different. You know, you feel different. And for someone who wasn't really as much into sports, you know, I might play for fun. I'm now going into an environment where I'm back in primary school, um, finishing off primary school and then going into secondary school. And I was lucky enough to go to a school that were very, very centered on sports. So with that strength of that first kidney transplant, you know, I was trying to join all the teams, you know, hockey, football, rugby, cricket, all of that stuff. I was a really, really, really big lad in terms of round. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that is my Twitter handle, Round Ruben, I think. So, yeah. Um, so, paying homage to that. I think I was about, what, I don't know, five foot something, I don't know, five foot one probably, and like maybe less, about 65 kilos. 
as you know as a as an 11 year old so immediately i'm at this school where they're all very much into their rugby and they're like oh why don't we get ruben in as a rugby player yeah 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 so i go to training and i again this comes back to this whole idea of wanting to talk about your health quite publicly and all of that stuff i didn't really like mum would do all the necessary doctor's letters and things like that with the with the stuff but certain things go miss go amiss so you know with the sports teachers they didn't really know and then they were like mm, you don't why why are you so unfit you know there would be these kind of you know like i do a bleep test and it wasn't just because i'm like you know like a massive blob it was because you know because they could see that i'm still trying but i'm literally like yeah. out of breath and they were like this can't be just obviously these are trained sports officials and stuff and this is again something that you'd know like this person isn't just overweight like yes he's overweight uh, you know but there's more to it like you know whatever and then when they started getting in touch with the hospital side of things um well looking into the hospital information that mum would put to the school they were like oh okay so he has he, there's a reason basically there's a reason behind it there's some sort of medical diet and what i'm referring to is the prednisolone the steroids yeah. that i was on and obviously being swollen uh, in, not in the not in the uh, slang. I'm looking swell. I'm looking more, yeah, like a bowl. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't very like a bowl of jelly, mate. So it wasn't really, um, yeah. But it was interesting because I think again, someone who like there was other sports available, right? Hockey, football, cricket, rugby, all of this stuff. So I just wanted to just pick out everything that I could get myself involved in, really. On, on that sport in front, with the PE teachers, it was actually on my list of questions, were they understanding? Did, did they become more understanding of your condition once they found out more about it? A couple did. A couple really didn't. Um, I think they were just, uh, there was one teacher I remember quite distinctively. I must say, I was, um, though you can't probably tell because I'm so polite and I, I have such a good behaviour now. I could have I could be, be a little bit mischievous growing up, uh, a bit rude to teachers at times, right? Anyway, this teacher was like just being unnecessary. And I think he just says, like, he just, he, I, I don't know what happened. And this is, he, I mean, he's quite large himself, but, you know, th there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Um, but he's, he just like, he just switched at me for no reason at all. I don't know, maybe he was having an off day. I don't know. And he just like, all I remember from that conversation was, well, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't making excuses, then maybe you'd you could step into the gym a little bit more often and you'd use a treadmill and you'd actually lose some of the weight and then you wouldn't be moping around and I was just like yo what where did that come from and I think it was annoying for him because I had quite a few friends and it would be like you know I, I was quite quick-witted because you grow up like if you're getting bullied you just grow up you learn it's like a defense mechanism so you cope in such a way right and I think it's only really recently dawned on me when I'm doing this cycle of being a teacher I would never never speak to a student like that like it's just ridiculous maybe times have changed obviously you know we're in 2021 now and things are a little bit different but I just thought to myself like there was two ways I could have taken that really offensively cried gone home had a like you know that could have turned into a really big thing but I think well my my reaction was I swore at him and I was very upset and angry and um it was a big scene and thankfully some of the other sports teachers had my back and my student the students heard what he said and they were like, oh, sir, do you not know? Like, Ruben said this, Ruben said that. Sir, what's going on? Oh, no. And I was just like, yeah, man. Yeah, you don't know me. You know about my life. So, yeah, it turned into a proper dramatic thing. And then he was like, he had a thick South African accent, which I'm not going to um, <laughs> I'm not gonna try and mimic. But he was very much like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean. And I was just like, well, it's a bit too late for apologies. 
And matter of fact, as a, and because I, this is the thing, like I said, I was very, you know, I was a cocky, really naughty, unnecessarily rude kid. The teachers that I liked, I got on with really well. Obviously, the ones that I didn't, I wanted to make it hell for him. And he gave me even more of a reason to dislike him. Any people listening to this right now, by the way, especially younger listeners, please don't follow these footsteps. Always respect your elders and, you know, show respect and give respect. But for me at the time, just, I just wanted to preface that. Louis, That's sorry. fine. Yeah. But for the, for this time, mate, I was fuming, obviously. And I was just like, I mean, this guy isn't, you know, he's, he's, he's not got the torso of a Greek God. So I don't know, I don't know where you're coming at me with this. What's your excuse? You're a PE teacher, mate. Like what's going on? So it was very like, and then he got very tetchy and then I had to change classes for that, for PE lessons and stuff. And it was all a little bit of a mare, but it was all, it's all a little bit stupid. It's kind of laughable now, but it was all a little bit stupid because I obviously took offense. I'm just grateful for the people at the time around me who listened and spoke up because they were like, no, this is what Sir said. Like, this is what he said, um, which is potentially quite traumatic. Thankfully, it wasn't. It was hilarious for me, but it's potentially something that's going to, you know. And I think the, the, the true story about it all is that I didn't play rugby because of, you know, kind of full yeah. con contact, obviously. So mum did make these shin pads, basically. She kind of sewed two shin pads together on like some old pair of football shorts or something. Um, and then I'd wear that over my kind of stomach, like the top half where my belly button is now. Well, I'm showing you visually, this probably doesn't help. So I'm going to try my best to the wonderful listeners. But it was kind of, I tucked it up. So I'm wearing them kind of just under the, uh, just above the belly button kind of thing. And then like a waistband um, shin pads. I played a couple of games. Sorry? Like a waistband of shin pads. This is it. Yeah. That's another mate. That's that's three stars. That's three stars. You <laughs> slowly becoming the best people in the room. I got um, five by the end rapidly if you do if you do i might have to uh yeah um i got a sticker golden time <laughs> but yeah like i think um yeah waistband and shin pads exactly that and obviously adult and all of that stuff mum adult shin pads and mum um sewed that together gave it a go because i was really keen i mean like the, the, the rugby looked so fun when you're playing football which seems quite docile compared to rugby in some ways growing up I was just like, wait, what? You can actually make tackles. This is sick. And then, yeah, obviously I played and I ended up in the nurse's room after like my first few games or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, this is not happening. Like, yeah, I can't do it. And then he was just like, you know, oh, okay. Maybe I was a bit harsh then because if he's actually, you know, in the nurse's office because of that. And the thing is I played football as well. So he realized that there were there was some ability there. It wasn't just like, you know, he's just being lazy. Like I said, he's probably just had an off day. And if I were to, you know, if I were to see him in a pub somewhere and like, you know, then I probably would be like, I don't know if you remember me, but we had this chat when I was 12 years old or whatever. Um, but yeah, moral of the story is stand your ground. But thankfully I didn't get expelled from school. So that's the best that's a good job. We've covered <laughs> rugby there and yeah. you've mentioned football a lot. We may as well talk about football now. Let's do it. Did you... First of all, what position were you playing? Can you guess? I'm going to go off every of the other footballers who've been on here, and I'm going to say goalkeeper. Wow. Everyone who's had a transplant seems to be a goalkeeper. Really? No, I played up front. Oh, I yeah, say, I so up. two we had two strikers. Yeah, and I think the rest have all been goalkeepers. Yeah, I I mean, it, goalkeeper makes complete sense to be to be completely honest. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Again, I have to preface this with the fact that I play more as a hobby now. Um, but I used to play up front. Also, um, there's lots of people who are very, like, really quick. So now I'm working against my condition. I can't go as fast as them. I can't, you know, 
so where I, I would like to, you know, I mean, growing up, I think I lacked where I lacked in kind of uh, physically, you know, being pushed off the ball or, you know, um, lacking in speed, I think I would make up for in like kind of a technical proficiency. I'm really over overhyping myself. I know my mates are listening thinking, mate, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I think what, what it was is just watching players like on replay, one of my, you know, my favorite football player and just trying to mimic him. I think that's all it was but playing more down the middle because I was lazy and I didn't want to make the runs. So it was like somewhere between Berbatov and so like your armchair striker, but give give the ball and hopefully I'll deliver kind of situation there. So box in the um, box. Yeah, Francis Jeffers. <laughs> box in the box. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Football in proper matches, football in PE, you've got mm. people there, you've got teachers refereeing, you've got referees enforcing the rules. I don't know if you, about your school, if it was similar to mine, lunchtime, but your break for lunch was very much a time to play football. And yeah. maybe rules would go out the window a bit with no ref and no teacher watching. Did you have to be more careful if you played at lunchtime when the rules were out the window? Very, very good question. Um, the answer is yes, I should have been more careful, but it was it was fine. A couple of knocks here and there were fine. And thankfully, because you it's weird you adapt your body because you know there's a weakness so at the time i i had my you know my transplant kidney was on my right side so just the way i would run or the way i would edge edge my body would be just kind of away from that side naturally um you know i would try and avoid being hit on that side or if i'm going in for challenges i'm trying to go in with the left and i think that kind of helps in some weird way because it helped me kind of try and be um trying to take shots with both left and right foot as opposed to just only focusing on one side of my body. So, I mean, again, not to play competitively, this is just having fun. Also, you're playing with peers, you're playing with your mates. They know, as yeah, there is competition, yeah. but they know that they can't go in too hard on me or I'll just sit back a little bit because there's always that kind of air of uncertainty. And because I've been in a situation where I've been really unwell and then suddenly I've got my life back, I don't want to do anything to get in the way of getting back into that position, you know? Um, I feel like I want to mention something as well with regards to this whole being naughty and stuff. One thing that really helped me, and this was outside of school, was karate. And I didn't mention this before. I think it really helped in terms of discipline. Uh, I think I'm like a brown belt, but I can't, literally, I can't remember. I think I was two off. So this is the thing. I was like two off a black belt or maybe three off a black belt. And then um, I got a kidney infection. So I had to stop doing that as well. And then after that, I just never really got back into it, to be honest with you. But it was really fun and it was, you know, doing the grading sessions and things like that. Um, Really, really good because it really helped me with trying to zone in on kind of how I felt about things on in terms of, like you know, in a spiritual way almost. I think karate really, really helped. Um, But I just felt like I just wanted to say that as well. Completely forgot to mention it before. But yeah, mate. It's it's a good point. Reese we had on really early on in the podcast. I think it might have been the second episode that I did. Mm. He he did... um, Thai boxing and he said that the discipline from wow. that really helped going into the transplant because of the discipline to take your medication and 100%. eat at the right times have you found that yeah, 100% 100% I think I'm very lucky with regards to medications and taking care of myself um I my parents were really supportive obviously from day one because I'm you know living at home with 2001 with that transplant and I think the, this was the thing that was so frustrating because even despite taking these tablets and despite you know, um, all of this stuff and being quite strict with it and disciplined, I still have had this kind of heavy rejection. Um, But having said that, my transplant lasted 16 years, because again, like, you know, like you're implying with um, Reese, 
I mean, Thai boxing is different though, man. I think it's a lot more contact. Like, yeah, that was before yeah. transplant. Yeah, that was um, yeah. Because I, I, I could, I don't think I could see myself like even with boxing. I think I gave it a go, and it was very much like you could feel it, and it wasn't. It's not nice feeling winded and also being just nervous and losing a transplant. I, d- I just don't want to go through that. So, with with my boxing experience or whatever, I just did sp- some spa sessions, um, some tra- like the warm ups, even sorry. So just trying to work my physical fitness, work up my physical fitness kind of thing, which didn't last long because I didn't enjoy it. And that's just always been me, unfortunately. Also, I think around that time, I had a, I have a big interest in like fashion and art and drama so and music and all of that side of things. So I think I put down the boxing and decided to take on art galleries, which is, you know, like it's a, you know, just go with the flow and I'm, you know, just older and just it's a different way of life, I guess. But yeah, I think, I think karate definitely helped with my discipline um, and the sparring. It can actually be semi-contact. It's not actually contact with karate, with the karate that we did, you know, because you yeah. pull out your, your gi, your, your, the, the uniform that you'd wear, the gi, as we would say, um, and you pull it out. Sorry, I'm doing a very bad expre- impression. But as soon as you hit and you hear something, you know, okay, point, done. You don't have to even touch the belly. You just have to hit that side of the, you right. know. Um, and again, I would wear this shin pad waist, um, you know, protector. And um, yeah, it was just really good for my confidence as well. And it just, you know, you see yourself losing weight. So, you know, I, growing up then, as I was doing more sports, I was kind of slimming down. So I felt like I had less of this little man syndrome, if you want to call it that, with getting rude to teachers and this, that and the other and just other people in general. And just, you know, sometimes you you know, you have friends who, uh, you know, can be quite mischievous too, shall we say, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, so you don't have to feel like you need to prove yourself, which I think, which is a general theme, I think, with someone who's like, just, I'm speaking personally, I can't speak for everyone. But I feel like with someone, maybe you can, mate, maybe you can shed some light on that. But I felt like growing up with having health complications, I felt like I've constantly had to prove myself to other people. And it's not like an overt thing. It's not like people judge you and they want to say straight away what have you achieved but because I've had so many breaks in education and I've had so many breaks in work um you know I think it's it's quite difficult I feel like sometimes psychologically I just need to prove myself to other people that's me really opening up by the way so good on you for being such a great listener um sorry that sounded really patronizing (laughs) but Lewis yeah what do you feel about that I mean I think it's going to be slightly different for me, as I sort of alluded to earlier, I'm quite new to this world. I'm 22, mm. and I was first diagnosed with kidney disease at 19. Of so course, I've not yeah, gone through yeah, school with it. But again, I've had now two years out of education, stopped yeah. a degree, going to start a new one soon. It's that I want to finish a degree. I got two years in, and health stopped me. But go, yeah. going through that degree, when you diagnose and there's the effects of kidney disease, my I'd, my kidneys failed in my second year. And I had some concentration issues and a few sort of, I don't know if anyone else has had this before. If you have, then let me know. I'm interested to hear. And I had a few memory issues with remembering yeah. things that, obviously the co- the content of the course that I had to learn for exams and for going on to placement with that, the nature of that degree and having to come up with different methods to remember it, taking crib sheets into certain things, making more notes, watching lectures over and over again. And I was determined to get through and get decent marks on that. And I did. It was respectable. So maybe, yeah, in that sense. Yeah, I can see that. Mm, definitely. But then again, like not that, you know, just I say this every time I speak to you, so it's probably a broken record, but 
props to you because in those in the time that you've taken away you you started a fantastic podcast and you've had you know you've been like smashing it through guest after guest after guest and it's been really interesting especially with this direction of sports because I feel like when you think of someone being unwell you don't really associate sports you don't really associate us with leading you know normal lives you might just think oh, okay they go on to do a job and whatever and yeah bless them oh that's cute but the fact that you've had some people who've you know represented Great Britain you've had people that have you know like doing Thai boxing and all of that stuff before obviously I know that was before the transplant and stuff and then you've had people who do still are active they do have an active lifestyle um yeah it's just really interesting like yeah it's really really interesting but yeah props to you man Thank great you. stuff I've got a few another sport that you did at school and the reason we're talking about school so much today I know you've done an episode on your podcast as well about yeah. experience of school not as much in a sporting sense but most of your sporting experiences have been at school and you've talked about the shin pad belt that you wore for rugby you yeah. also played cricket and I'm big into this protection in cricket for kidneys I've been searching everywhere for for pads thankfully yes. I found one which I will talk about after you've had your say on this bit did you wear, wear any extra protection for that with the ball coming pretty fast at you um Again, it was just that shin pad protector, really, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, I would wear two T-shirts. So, I mean, these are the things I would just remember, like, trying to adapt. So I'd really, even though if it was in the heat of summer, I would still wear, like, you know, you've got your cricket whites, but I'd wear, like, a vest underneath and then a T-shirt. And then, I, you know, so even just psychologically, I feel like I'm fully padded as much as I can be, you know. And then I've got the shin pad thing. Obviously, you've got your box. You're wearing your box um, to protect your crown jewels. Um, but... Yeah, there's been nothing that, you know, well, obviously there has now, which we'll, you go on to say, but there's, you know, it's interesting growing up with this stuff. There wasn't, you couldn't go into, we had a shop called Hewitt's in, you know, near where I live in Croydon, in the kind of center of Croydon. And that was like your school sports provider. So you get your uniform, your school uniforms there, you, you know, that's your one-stop shop kind of thing. And you wouldn't have like transplant equipment to protect those with a transplant or any health complication for that matter. So it's really interesting that, you know, what you're, I'm assuming you're about to say, if not, then I've completely misread. Yep, you're right. Um, but yeah, I think to, yeah, to answer your question with protection, no, like I just wrapped up more and it's frustrating because, you know, you, you just like, you just have to work against another thing to play a sport that everyone else can play freely, like technically. Yeah. So there's loads of different homemade methods of protection. You've mentioned your shin pads that you'd put around yourself. Um, Matt from the Transplant Cricket Team, who had him before, he had I think it was two, it was two some sort of cricket guards, either arm guards or thigh guards that he put in his waistband. I yeah. tried a boxing guard. I know a few others have as well. For batting at the moment, I found something I like. Um, like you said with the t-shirts, I wear like a, a base layer, and then I'll put. I've made. My dad called it a homemade boob tube. I've cut the. That's probably the best way to put it. I can see where off. you get your uh, way of words from. <laughs> I can see where you get it from. <laughs> I've cut the arms and chest off of a like a thermal base layer, and I put that right. on, and then I wear a a cricket chest guard over that, and then fold the top of that over just to stop the Velcro that we've had to glue on, putting pulls in my top, and just making sure that lasts a bit longer. And then my top goes yeah. on. That's my batting equipment, but I d didn't really have the confidence bowling and fielding with the ball coming towards me with no pad on because I couldn't really wear that running in a bowling and running around the field. Yeah, when you're kind of fielding. I guess, yeah. You know what? To be honest with you, I um 
my my I want to say career is not career is not the right word to use, but with cricket it was very different. Like we just play that for games. I was I didn't you know I didn't play competitively, even though we did use the hard ball and we still had the equipment there and all of that stuff. But I was more of a bowler, I guess, than a bat. Mm. No, I think I gave it. I gave everything a go. I just feel like it's. Well, I mean, again, it's all a blur, really, and there was nothing really readily available for protection other than your box, your shin pads, and all your arm guards and all of that stuff. So I think I was just quite lucky to tell you the truth. And obviously, bearing in mind this was when I was much younger, so I guess it wasn't as dangerous. Is that what I'm trying to say? I don't know. Possibly a bit slower. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like. You just play at a different level, I guess. I guess that's what it must have been. But thankfully, yeah, I hadn't, I didn't have any serious problems with, you know, with regards to all of that. So yeah, that was a massive relief, to be honest. I did the bowling field in. Thankfully, I entered a competition ran by a company called Hero Key Protection, it was yes. in association with the World Transplant Games Federation, and nice. I won. I was saying to Ollie on the last episode that that went out, uh, and they sent me their kidney shield. Um, which there's a review that I've done for them, which is coming out on their Instagram page and the World Transplant Games Federation page soon. So if you go and follow them at Hero Key Protection, that's Hero K-I, you'll be able to read that. And I'll put a few photos on the Transplants Take On Sport Instagram uh, soon once that's gone out. Uh, basically, it's, a, it's a, a belt made out of the sort of thing you get a back support out of, very flexible. And then there's a pad on the front that's made out of similar material to cricket protection that moves with your body but when it gets hit it hardens up and protects you and that's given me so much more confidence bowling and fielding and I was saying to Ollie that the World Transplant Games had a discount code I now have a discount code thanks to Hiroki Protection so if you're listening Mate, to this you. and you'd like a kidney shield from Hiroki you can go to hirokey.co add the kidney shield to your basket and then when you get to the checkout use the code thanks Lewis 050521 or if you click the link in the show notes, that'll take you straight to their website and automatically apply the discount code for you. So if you're interested in that, please go and have a look. Support Hero Key. They've been kind enough to give a discount code to me for all of you to use. Wonderful. Expertly done. Expertly <laughs> done. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a great thing to be like, yeah. Look at you with your discount code. Ooh, very fancy. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Good stuff. He's going bright red, guys and girls. He's going bright red. Um, no, good on you. And I think it's a great thing to kind of promote and sponsor, especially well, especially in line with sports, but like, you know, transplant with sports. Um, it's really interesting about the hardening up as well, like with um, the protection hardening up rather than just what we would have, like makeshift loose shin pads or whatever. And, you know, so, yeah, looking forward to... Um, I think I'll definitely look into that for sure. I think it's not just for cricket as well, it's all sports. I've seen people cycling in it. Uh, okay. I think it'd be good for football. On the website, someone suggested that if you get like an elbow in the gym, someone walking past, or if you knock a weight on it, it's just going to stop those little, okay. little bangs. Um, I think I'll definitely use uh, Lu Thanks Lewis 050521. That's it. Have I got that right? Yes, you have, yeah. Wonderful. I'll definitely use that and um, yeah. Props to you again. No, I think I'll definitely, especially for footy, I think it will definitely, because obviously, like I said before, you know, you kind of gear towards your not so, um, you're trying to play your, um, play to your strengths, obviously, right? But now I've got a kidney on my right and I've got a kidney on my left. So I need Hiroki. That's what I need. <laughs> uh, while we're on the topic of cricket, equipment that we use for cricket, um, I've got to stress that uh, this is a personal sponsor, not a podcast sponsor otherwise right um yeah uh distributor <laughs> this is a personal sponsor uh neon cricket kindly sponsored me for this season as a, a player coach 
And another discount code for you all as well. It's uh, LewisD25 at neoncricket.co.uk and he gets 25% off everything. I think stock might be running low at the moment because of the pandemic. Uh, but if you go and have a look, I highly recommend it. I use it, been using it in the training sessions, thank, but not many games because they've all been cancelled. So hopefully this weekend it'll get some use. But the pads are the lightest I've ever used. The gloves are really good. And uh, my bats are refurbs, but top class. So if you go and have a look on there, if you're interested in cricket gear, if not, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything in life, Lewis, but you're doing it in your time <laughs> off. Sorry, I'm just trying to seamlessly bring it back, but yeah, yeah great. <laughs> it didn't work, did it? It's It's got more awkward, if anything. Um, yeah, well, segue is maybe not the best thing. Well, let's just go straight back in. Uh, go for it. Have you got any plans to do sport in the future? Have you done much since school? 100%. Um, bowling. I love bowling now. It's not, I mean, again, this is not competitive. This is a social thing. I play with friends, good friends. And uh, we have our kind of forfeits for those who lose. So it's like an enjoyable thing. Um, footy, I'm still playing five-a-side. And I want to get back into that, obviously, now, given that restrictions have kind of uh, loosened a little bit. So I've been, you know, going to get back into footy um, and play more frequently. And I think I just want to get rid of the excess weight, basically, that I think we've all been putting on during lockdown. Um, so, yeah. And also, Ollie is encouraging me to go climbing. So I think tomorrow he's going to take me for my first or second climbing session in my life. So that would be interesting because I know he's big on his climbing. So those are the things that I want to really get back into, well, get into, so to speak. I think footy is something that I'll always play, even if it is just stick me in goal because I just enjoy the sport. Yeah. You know? Whether it's at a competitive level, whether it's playing in the park, whether it's whatever, I think I'll always, it's something that I'll always try to get involved in where I can, you know? The restrictions are easier now. I hope we can get back to it soon. We've, we've covered a lot here. We've still got more to go over. You've had one transplant. The second yeah. transplant, when did you find out you needed another one? Right. So... I was lucky enough after doing my kind of drama degree and all of that stuff, uh, doing all this actor business, I was lucky enough to um, come out and I kind of, it dawned on me, I wasn't going to, you know, it's not like with other um, degrees potentially, you're going to go and I've just fast forwarded a whole bit, by the way, but that's fine. I think it's probably better for the sake of time. But I... Um, wanted to just jump straight into a job essentially and it's not like that in the acting industry unfortunately so I thought let me teach English as a second language so I was lucky enough to travel to China which I did for the best part of like you know six months or so it was meant to be a year but that's when my condition kind of dramatically de de deteriorated so that's when I was kind of you know it was a case of an emergency emergency flight back to London back to you know my condition kind of stabilized I got really unwell in um China then came back here and then that's when I kind of essentially was a little bit better and then it got worse again and then in 2017 basically I was I started dieting. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Analysis. Um, so that was for like the best part of two and a half years before my second transplant um, took place in 2019, August of 2019. So just before, thankfully, just before the pandemic kind of really set off. So hit the right time. It's a very similar time to mine, the OD transplant. Yeah. In 2019. That dialysis for two and a half years. How did you take that considering that? You'd had your transplant at 10. It's been going mm. well. And then suddenly crashing down in hospital. Did you dialyze in hospital? Uh, yeah, to begin with, I dialyzed in hospital. And then when I started kind of, they, they kind of, we have a dialysis unit, basically, that's more practical for those who are going to be dialyzing for a while, you know, rather than um, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I did uh, PD. No, I didn't. I did HD. I did hemodialysis, sorry. And that was three days a week four hours were eat for each session and it was i know like um i i listened in before one of the to many of your podcast episodes one of them was maddie warren who really broke down like because she's essentially living life on dialysis which is incredible um something that i definitely don't think i could do but i think um i'm not gonna be the uh i'm not gonna give you all the facts i'm just gonna give you my experience of dialysis yeah, yeah. my emotional response to dialysis rather than kind of what hdpd all the differences and all that jazz but I found essentially that it worked better for me to just, you know, go to a go to a hospital or go to a unit, a dialysis unit, do my treatment, be done with it and go home. Um, that just seemed to be more beneficial for me. And, you know, it's it's just different strokes with different folks. I think like my partner, she's also um, she was also on dialysis as well. And she had um, she was on PD because it just worked better for her. So, you know, it's, and she continued to work and all of these other things. And to be honest, I did continue to work, but I think it was 
just it's very difficult man i think dialysis is very draining i don't think i can you know it's one thing being positive definitely and it's good to be positive but you've got to kind of accept sometimes that you just really it's, it's a very shattering experience at least mine certainly was and you have four hours to every other day you have four hours to think and think and think and a best i was you know we recently recorded a an, an episode on my kind of experiences with Ollie and a good day of dialysis would be, I go there, I fall asleep, I wake up, I'm done. That would be a good day. Yeah. But, but that doesn't mean that I've done my kind of time. I've done my time and then I'm getting on with my day because then you have to kind of go back, do whatever it is, you know, go home, shower, get ready, whatever. And then mentally prepare yourself for the following day. But the following day comes and you know that I've got to be up again on the following day. <laughs> doing you know the day after because every other day so yeah it's it was very shattering it was very difficult for me and I don't know what it is divine intervention I don't know what it is but I really started picking up um kind of a few more acting gigs and really pursuing my interests so I started working more within fashion I was lucky enough to go to Copenhagen Fashion Week and London Fashion Week and things like that I started really like just things clicked for me which I'm very very grateful for like and I just started you know just you know, just leaning into everything, you know, opportunities presented themselves. And I was just like, I just put myself out there. This is outside of health stuff, obviously. Yeah. And that kind of worked for me. Football, I was really bad. I was terrible at football, could not keep active, really. And then it became a psychological thing for me. I was just like, we're going to play and like you're losing friends now because they don't want you in your team. And this is all interior. This is all internal. Friends are great. And they'll just be like, yeah, yeah, we'll have you on. We just have to balance the teams around. But the fact that you have to balance teams around because of my ability just makes you feel like crap, really, doesn't it? Like, you know, so it was very, it it really, it really affected me, to be honest. That's the only way I can put it. Like, you know, it's a very draining experience. But thankfully, I had my transplant in 2019, similar to your time. But mine was, a, I think yours was a little bit earlier, wasn't it? Mine was July. Your July. July, so just a month before. But we weren't in the same you were no. from a different part of England yeah unfortunately if the accent wasn't a giveaway up north <laughs> up north so yeah we're yeah I was um yeah so it was my brother I was very lucky to give to have been uh taken his kidney taken his kidney no <laughs> received his kidney not taken it was definitely a mutual thing it wasn't you know um and I just want to say I think at this juncture because I mean I'm not going to speak facts again but it's um there is a real absence of uh, people in, I don't like the term, the term BAME, but just for ease of speaking, I'm just going to say, you know, in black and ethnic minority, Asian minority communities, there is a real absence of um, donors, like uh, organs available. So just take my story, for instance. In 2001, my dad gave me a kidney. In 2019, my brother's given me a kidney. Now, it's a massive break in their whatever they were pursuing. I think dad was pursuing, um, he'd, he'd, he'd been working and he was doing like a postgraduate in, um, like he's like, you know, doing a teaching for, I think a PG diploma thingy for like teaching in uni like lecturing in universities and teaching kind of older students and things. He had to take a break in that. Um, my brother, he had to essentially, you know, he was turning into self-employed to becoming self-employed so that he could manage his finances and work. And these sacrifices were being made for me which is another thing like i think i don't know how you feel but i think 
Ollie would certainly relate to an extent. Not that it should feel like we should feel like this, but there is an element of feeling quite burdensome as someone who is, you know, I think maybe it's more obvious given that it was my dad who gave me my kidney and, you know, my brother who gave me my kidney. The reason why I mention race, the reason why I mention black and ethnic minority, um, Asian minority, like, see, I clearly don't like the, like the acronym because, it, you know, um, I don't even know what it stands for properly, or maybe I'm choosing not to, but there is a real absence. And I think maybe I might use this opportunity to just say, like, it's important to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's all I'm trying to say, really, man, just to be, I know we, we laugh a lot. We laugh a lot and we joke a lot, but I think it's time to be serious sometimes. And yeah, I think it's just really important to just keep that conversation going. And this is why your podcast's great, because we keep talking and this is why we, like Ollie and I chose to do our podcast because we just wanted to keep, you know, share our conversations and, you know, it's, I think it's just really important. And from, you know, however many people, we've been quite lucky to be honest with you, but from however many people that have listened to it, even if one person takes on board and then has that conversation with their partner or their friend or their colleague at work, oh, okay, cool. I never knew this. And then, you know, some people think that a transplant's a cure, you know, and sadly, I wish it was, mate. I wish it was. So, you know, um, but yeah, um, you asked me about dialysis. I ended up with transplant not being a cure. Well, you've, but you've, answered, very... you've answered my questions. It's, it's, as I said earlier, it's a job save for me. All right, good, good. good, good. <laughs> Your brother donated. Do you think that's brought you closer together? We've always been very close, to be honest with you. Um, when he came forward first, I was just like, no, like, I can't put you through this. I've already put dad through this and I was younger and you kind of just go with the flow. It was very difficult, but I think it got to a stage where he just, no one at home wanted to see me in the situation that I was in. Um, I'd like to think I've always been someone who's quite ambitious, someone quite driven, especially when you're pursuing a career in acting. You can't afford to really take breaks. You can't afford to not feel like 100% essentially fit, physically fit. It's a very mentally and physically demanding um, career to pursue. And it was very, very tough to finish treatment, come back, try to see, okay, cool, is there any auditions, things going, okay, here, there, and everywhere. And it was, it was very tough. And mum did not, I wasn't happy. And I think obviously my parents weren't, weren't, it wasn't good for them. And my brother was just like very quick to come forward. I mean, as soon as I went on dialysis, he said, well, you know, there is a, there is a kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I will give my kidney. And I was like, I don't really want to put you through that because you're older. You realize what the kind of the sacrifices mm. involved now. Also, he, he, you know, I have, I'm lucky enough to have two gorgeous nieces and a nephew. And like, it was, you know, it's very interesting. Like the whole, the whole situation has changed, you know? Um, and it was, yeah, it's, I think I've, yeah, I've been very, yeah, we're, we're very close. We're very close. He's a Liverpool fan. So we do have our disagreements, but <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, yeah, like we're very close. We're very close, even though he's kind of, you know, he lives further away and he's got his own family and stuff like that. But she's lovely. My sister-in-law's amazing. Like, you know, we all get on. It's it's amazing. Yeah. So good to hear. And has your transplant been going well since you had it done? It has been amazing. Good stuff. I, I've had, yeah, I'm very happy to say that my transplant health has been fantastic. All the levels have been great. And um yeah like it's 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 been really it's it's so weird because it's so different to when I had my first transplant where I was in and out of hospital all the time and this that and the other but I feel great and you know how about yourself man how's your kidney health I haven't even I know I know you're you've got me on as a guest but I feel like how are you talk talk to me about your sporting merits and talk to me about (laughs) you've got to do an episode at some point I think I will do at some point yeah I have to find somebody to come on and 
and host. Well, we're maybe in. you, maybe Ollie. Yeah. But go on, sorry, you were saying, yeah, well, I was asking, how was your um, kidney health? Health-wise, to be honest, it couldn't, I couldn't have asked much better. It couldn't really have gone more smoothly. A slight complication in hospital with um, right. blood clots in my bladder. But other than that, it's all been very smooth. Kidney That's function good. is much higher than I, could, than I even thought it could be at the start. Based on my mum's kidney function, she was the donor. Yeah. Um, oh, shout out mum. <laughs> I thought I'd get maximum 55 EGFR. I've, right. Because of her, I thought it'd just be half of her function. Yeah. I'm in the 70s now, so I couldn't ask for anyone. Hey, that's wicked. That's really... But you clearly take care of yourself as well, though. I think it's really important. Yeah, I'm big on healthy eating, big on keeping active. You are, which is really good. I think you definitely are the poster boy for a great podcast. Whereas I think if we were going to do a... Uh, <laughs> if Ollie and I were going to do a sports podcast, it definitely would not. They'd be like, look at these fellas. They're definitely not. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I think... It's really, yeah, I think healthy eating and incorporating. I remember when we spoke briefly, you know, like low sodium diets and low salt diets and things like that. These things didn't even really encounter my mind when I was on dialysis or when I was, you know, um, going through kind of end stage renal failure. Because I just, the only thing I would, that would make me happy is seeing my friends. And if that does involve drinking, then it will involve drinking. Because you just built like, you know, and I'm not saying this is definitely not a way to be. And thankfully now I'm in a side where I'm a lot more mature and I'm behaving and I'm, I've always been, you know, one to take my tablets. Cause like I said, it's that discipline thing that, you know, you wake up, you do this, you might skip the odd dose, but it's not like, because you can't be bothered to take it. It's a case of you wake up, you do this, you go to sleep, you do this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, good to hear that your kidney health is good, man. That's really good. Let's come on to some list of questions. I asked out, Ooh. I went asked out, I went, uh, asked on social media. Uh, Instagram, which is at Transplants Take On Sport Pod. Facebook is at Transplants Take On Sport Pod. And Twitter at TTOS Pod for questions. So if anyone would like to send in any questions in the future for a chance to feature on the podcast, make sure you go and follow those pages. And the day before recording, there'll be a post going out saying who's coming on, what they do, and asking for questions. Uh, all the questions came from Instagram today. Mm. Let's get into them. Let's go, let's go short answer semi quick fire because there are quite a few. And I'm conscious of the time that people are listening for and the time that seems to work. Sorry. Thank you, guys. First one from Sayan. What was the biggest difference between your first and second transplant? And I'll add something on my list. Were you more relaxed for the second one? Um, so shout out Sayan. That's my little brother there. Um, I'll be taking his kidney in a few years, I'm sure. <laughs> um, my answer to you, Sayan, is um, I think that the, the actual process, I don't remember much of the first but in terms of the scar itself, um, it was like glue. It is not like glue. I'm just quoting Sean Paul here. It wasn't like glue. It was glue rather than stitches yeah, in my was. first kidney. So that was the most, um, you know, that was the biggest difference. Was I more ready for it? Yes. I felt like um, I, had, I, was, I had even more support from my partner, my now fiance. So it, she did, she went, she pulled out all the stuff. She did everything to make sure I was relaxed and comfortable. So yeah, I think I was definitely, I don't ready for a transplant. I don't know if that's the right word to use, like the right phrase to use, but I definitely had a lot of support and warmth from her, which is incredible. Next two come from Jean-Louis and he says, Ooh, uh, Dr. Jean-Louis, how important is said? sport in helping you, in helping you with dealing with your condition? To answer, I think it's very important whether I choose sport all the time is probably not, you know, I'm just being honest here. Um, but it's very, it's very important. I think it's good to stay active and stay fit and healthy, both mentally and physically. Um, 
And I think like I've, I've rattled on about football and, um, you know, yeah, I think it's obviously very important just as a case of, do I practice what I preach? Maybe not, <laughs> but I should. It's definitely something that I, you know, I'm more conscious of now as I'm getting older and, you know, you feel your bones go a little bit more and, you know, you don't want to add, you know, cause being, you know, kidney patients, we're both predisposed to like diabetes and other further risks. So why you know, maximize our chances of getting diabetes, for instance. So I think it's always good to stay at a healthy weight as well, generally speaking. So sports really do encourage that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you said you've got plans to go back into it and you're climbing tomorrow. For me, it's a big, it's a mental and physical release to get away from mm. whatever you're going through, whatever you're thinking. So as yeah. long as that can continue, it's been a big miss over the last year and a bit yes. in lockdown. I missed it a lot. But as long as you can keep doing something, I think that helps. His other question was, do you ever feel people treat you differently because of your conditions, especially in sports? <laughs> I think he's trolling a bit, Lewis. I think you should have a go at him. <laughs> no, I think, um, do I feel like, uh, <laughs> I think what he's trying to say is, do I make excuses for my performances on the football pitch? I think that's what he's trying to say. And the answer is yes, John Louis, Dr. John Louis, I do. Um, I think I'm quite, because I play more as a hobby and a pastime. So I think I don't take it as seriously as some other footballers, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think, I don't I don't even know how to answer that because I don't know. Do you play together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've nutmegged him fairly recently <laughs> and I think that was quite offensive to him. So I think he did celebrate with me, though. He did uh, the, you know, the Aubameyang and Lacazette handshake. Yeah after being nutmegged and I think it was embarrassing for him because this was literally you know so I like a few months after my transplant as well so I've got no fitness and I've dragged it back and nutmegged in and I think that's been quite a, a pivotal pivotal point yeah. in our friendship maybe but yeah I think um yeah you know what it is I I'll be completely honest though jokes aside I do make excuses I think it's very easy to make excuses but you know it ebbs and flows sometimes you feel confident and then sometimes you feel like I'm just I'm just going to be so static in this game I'm going to be so you know so yeah that's my answer to that question <laughs> rolling through his legs though you've got you've got the bragging right so if you film it yeah, you can get on this is what I mean soccer yeah. am meg nuts of the week <laughs> exactly <laughs> and next question comes from nav and he says sport that is very similar to the question that came in from cavi as well uh oh, yeah. sports you would have enjoyed but couldn't because of your transplant and were there any sports you really wished to participate in but were unable to due to your health yeah, I think I would say, I'd say boxing. I'd say just combat kind of sports, definitely. Um, I mean, karate was great, like in terms of discipline and stuff like that. But let's face it, not that I um, are in any way condoning fighting, but if you're in a real life situation and you're getting into a brawl, you're not going to sit there and do your, you know, your, like you're not going to get into kata position. You're not going to start doing a kata in the middle of a street. So, you know, um, yeah, I think boxing, like definitely all of the, the contact, the physical, like the fighting sports. MMA looks so fun to me. It looks so fun. It's something that I would never do, unfortunately, because of, eh, I just feel like I'm put off. And yeah, I'd rather be able to walk properly and have that, you know, have my kidneys working. So yeah. What about yourself? What about yourself? I had to think you about think? this when I saw it. Um, I'm not a big rugby fan and I wasn't very good at school, so it wouldn't be that. Um, yeah. I don't really want to get hit in the face or punched yeah. and kicked about. So maybe not anything, uh, not any martial arts. And then one I thought of, I don't know if it is going to be one that I couldn't do because of my transplant or not. Maybe with um, possible collisions and shunts, go-karting. 
Okay, yeah. I didn't even realize. Sorry, my I'm so obviously narrow minded. I didn't even think about go karting would be. But we're surely we're allowed to do go karting. Like maybe you can. If anyone knows, then please do let me know. I just remember going yeah, before my transplant touch. and getting sort of if someone spins off and you go in head to head and you get that of course. that jolt. Maybe yeah, it's my, maybe true. it's my nervousness, but if that is possible, then great. I'd love to try it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think definitely. I'd still stand by my combat kind of, you know, my, the, the kind of physical combat kind of sports, I think definitely in my answer there. And the final question comes from Ollie and he says, on a scale of one to 10, why did he choose Arsenal? <laughs> you know where that's because, come from. <laughs> because, uh, and I say this with a straight face, because they're the best team in the world. That's why I support Arsenal. Because there's no other team. Name another team. I don't, I don't even. The thing is, mate, there's no gumption in what I'm saying. Like you've caught. Like we've had such a terrible season. Oh yeah, we've got a gold trophy. We have. It's incredible that you can go through a whole league invincible. It's incredible that we can win the league at Old Trafford in a gold Sega sponsored shirt. <laughs> it's it's amazing that we can win the league. That at the uh, you know at, I was going to say something else there, but I'll say White Hart Lane instead of another word. Like, you know, our rivals are, you know, hotly contested rivals. But that's all in the past. And I can't even justify it as I <laughs> have my Arsenal mug and I've been sipping from it today. Um, you've, yeah, it's like, why, why Arsenal? Because they are the best team. And also, he's only recently got into football. So you can sit down, Ollie. <laughs> West Ham till I die and all this. Mate, he was not into West Ham before. But they're playing very well this season. So credit where oh, credit's yeah. due. Credit where credit's due. How do you feel about Lingard going to... You, this is going to go on. Sorry, I'm going to stop and we can... Because I feel like your listeners... If Guys, thank you for putting up with me. Lewis is fantastic. He's doing a great job. Don't take it out on him. Still give him the views. Still give him the listens. Do all of that good stuff. <laughs> Lingard, but, yeah. please for him. Everything he's been through recently, the last few years, seems to have had a, a yeah. tough time. Good to see him playing well, scoring, smiling. And mm. David Moyes doing what he does. Sometimes David, David Moyes, Moyes turns up. Sometimes David Moyes turns up. He does. He's been amazing. Whereas Mike, Mike RT, <laughs> Mike RTT, he's not doing great. I don't know. Maybe we can have Sam Allardyce for next season. We'll see. You never know. And speaking it's of Ollie, you sent that question in. Thank you for everyone who sent them in. Uh, mm. Yourself and Ollie host the Professional Patients podcast. You've, we do. You've mentioned why you started it, wanted to help other people share your experience. For anyone who hasn't listened, how would you describe the podcast? And if you want to elaborate more, the reasons for you doing it. Why Why did we start a podcast? We're just good mates. We've both had health problems since birth. And we just wanted to kind of, I think, uh, the tagline, so to speak, is just shed light on the heavier things in our life. Um, as you know, we're quite kind of, you know, good humoured. Like, you know, we don't really take things seriously. So it's not really an educational podcast it's more a case of you just talk about our own experiences and our experiences with like you said earlier on like you know what we how to adapt during school or transplant or you know we're going on to talk about relationships and friendships and everything so yeah like I mean I'm really bad at like promoting stuff to be honest because we just enjoy doing it and it's just that's all it is um but yeah like I think it's been a really really nice experience and i mean it's always a pleasure to see him and chat with him but it's just tune in if you know if you think you get it enjoy it whatever it is we're on at professional patients on instagram we don't have a twitter just like lewis here we don't have no that's it just twitter isn't it? i'm just thinking 
I was just thinking if there's a something else, but no, there isn't. Sorry. I just went into my own world there. Um, <laughs> at Professional Patients at, uh, on Instagram. Give us a follow. Give us a like and all that jazz. Tune in, though. Let us know what you think and let us know what you want to hear as well because we've got lots of guests and things lined up. So I'm sure Ollie, when I was tuning into Ollie, he did a much neater version of this. I'm just rambling here. but He said you'd help me do it as well. Yeah, I'm mate, I'm terrible at promoting. <laughs> I'm really bad. This is why I need an agent in general life, I think. But um, yeah. Or maybe I can just have you, just whatever. You, yeah, just, we'll record a voiceover with you and then we'll just play it at the end of our episodes. But yeah, um, at Professional Patience. It is, it's a brilliant podcast to listen to. Very easy to listen to as well. The the vibe, the feel of it is good. You obviously get on well and bounce off each other. So yeah, go and have yeah. a listen. It's very interesting, very entertaining. And I asked Ollie the same question as well. What are your goals for it going forward? Firstly, thanks, mate, for your kind words. You definitely did a better job at selling it than I did. Um, what are our goals for going forward? You know what? Anything's possible. I think we've had some really overwhelming responses and we've got some really interesting things. Unfortunately, I can't speak too much about it, but I've got a massive smile on my face. So we've got some really interesting things coming up and, you know, some collaborations possibly and other things. Um, yeah, I think what it comes down to is we're finding it quite therapeutic and we know there's so many people. It's all about like recently we did an episode and I'm not, you know, about kind of the leave, leave them certain campaign. And it's the, the stress is on just having a conversation. You never know who you're going to talk to. You never know where, you know, you never know who's listening to your podcast. You never know how far it's going to reach. And it all comes down to that person might make the decision. You know what? I'm going to sign on to the organ donor register. I'm going to actually, you know, maybe be an altruistic donor or I'm going to do this or that. And that's what it really comes down to, to be completely honest with you you put it you put it so well there as well mm, thank you rare rare for me <laughs> you you can have a gold star now oh cheers man <laughs> uh, ruben it's been a pleasure to chat to you today and uh, i think thank people you. have learned from your experiences of two transplants and if anyone's listening to this who is at school or a parent of somebody at school i think they'll be able to learn from your experience yeah and and how you got through it Thank you. Sorry to cut you off as you were winding off, but get in touch with me. Like my, uh, my, sorry, I don't mean to plug, but I'm just going to say because, you Fire know, away. Like, yeah, my, my Instagram is at only built number four Ruben links and X with it. This is really difficult. <laughs> Basically one of my favorite rappers called Ray Kwan. He's got an album called only built Four Cuban links. So I just changed right. the C with an R big fan of the Wu-Tang Clan for anyone else who's listening and who knows, but, um, yeah, basically that's me. That's where you'll find me. But um, if not, obviously find us through professional patients and drop a DM and we can only give you our experiences. But, you know, always happy to chat. It's always good to share, you know. Um, and thank you for listening and thank you for having me on, obviously. No problem. And sorry for taking so much of your time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> One more question before we go. Oh, come on, Lewis. It's, the, it's, the, <laughs> it's, it's what I ask everyone. On. Uh, what's on. one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant? I thought you were going to ask me, like, what's your favourite sandwich? What's your favourite colour? <laughs> no, no, I know, because you asked this. Who would what's win in a fight name? between, or what would you rather fight, one duck-sized <laughs> horse? No, is that right? One one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? I'm going to go with the... the fur... I'm going to go with the horse, I think. But I just feel like the whole idea of killing animals, I don't even squash. I've gone soft, mate. I don't even squash ants anymore. So I don't even think I could approach that question and take the life of any animal. I think, I think, yeah. I think, think of a third I, option. Yeah. yeah, is there a third option? Walk away. Walk away. <laughs>
Whereas if you threw my uh, old PE teacher into the mix, then I might have a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing. Um, to actually give you an answer to the <laughs> to the legit question. Um, what is my one bit of advice? Um, just breathe in every moment. I think it's something that there is no right or wrong way to go through it. Just just experience. Just, you know, just be still and take the moment in and always know that there are people that you can talk to if you know it's it's not always comfortable to chat about these things it's so funny like growing up I never used to speak about this stuff but now I have a podcast with a mate and I'm talking about my stuff and it's it's really helped it really helps me and it's so easy to internalize things so yeah I would just say you know you always ask questions if you if you feel unsure or if you want to learn more about something why is this treatment happening or why am I doing this or why am I doing that always ask questions and just experience it I guess such a terrible quote I don't know why I, I yeah all right I think yeah people understand that and there we I go so. there's your there's your one piece of advice at the end if you're enjoying the podcast please make sure you press subscribe follow wherever you're listening um if you're enjoying it please tell your friends and family they might like it too. You might know other people, transplant related, long-term illness related, or not just sports fans. Anyone can listen and hopefully text them from the uplifting stories. And if you don't like it, please tell your friends you did anyway, because we'll take them. Yeah. And also, like um, Lewis said last podcast with Ollie, grab your nan's phone. <laughs> grab your granddad's phone. Go on there. Chuck in transplant takes on spot. You'll find us as well. You'll find professional patients you know give him give him a subscribe love that technique not <laughs> the most advisable technique but as long as it's people you know and not strangers on the tube or the train then you're good of course yeah uh, <laughs> sorry uh, sorry if, i'm going on a different direction i am that's yeah, fine yeah uh, if you listen on apple podcasts it would mean a massive amount to me if you could rate it five stars on there and if you leave a review along with your five star rating i'll read it out on the podcast at the end and the five star ratings really do help spread the podcast to other people help more people discover it on the app and hopefully bring in more people to this community. And if we, as Ruben said, if we can help one person, it's been a success. And thank you also to the anonymous person who used the ACAST supporter feature, which is the little voice you hear at the start of the podcast. That's not me saying, love this podcast, use it. And then something else. Um, <laughs> oh, really? That's wicked. Thank you for clicking on that link in the show notes and donating £10. It really does help to keep the podcast growing, keep it continuing for the future. I'm not going to push that. It's just if you do if you do want to, then it's greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to share your story, if you'd like to come on and be a guest, or if you know anyone who might be a good guest, please email in transplantstakeonsport at gmail.com. I'd love to read your story and hopefully get you on the podcast as well and have a chat like we've done today. Uh, thank you once again to my guest, Ruben Nathan. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplants Take On Sport. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 